Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, July 2nd, 2019, and we're just two days from the biggest event of the summer, the 4th of July. It's not my favorite holiday. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because I think because I like the food and the football. But I do like 4th of July. We usually have a barbecue with the family over, usually in the backyard. So we'll see. I'm Steve Peasley. I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you will also call me with any financial questions you might have. That's really what the show is about. Your questions about finances, about stocks, almost anything. IRAs, 401ks, insurance, I don't care. Whatever you want to talk about. As long as it's financial, we'll talk about it. And of course... You do take this show wherever, whatever direction you want it to go. As long as it's financial, I'm with you on that. And, of course, our goal is also financial freedom, for everybody to learn how to become financially free, meaning having your money working for you instead of you working for it. In other words, that money produces money, and then you can live off of that instead of you having to work hour after hour after hour to make an, a, a wage. You know, that's it can get very, very... Um, trying sometimes. I remember many years ago doing that, so I totally understand it. So, where do you want to take the show? It's up to you. In this hour, I'm going to do my best to help you wherever you want to take it to get to that goal of financial freedom. And we'll do one call at a time. Our anytime listener line number is now open, and I'm taking calls live. We take them live Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time at 888-99-CHART. So my main talking point today concerns the personal finance warning. Newly wedded couples may be saddled with a marriage tax penalty. Now, depending on your income and state of residence and your deductions, of course, you may pay higher taxes after marriage compared with your taxes as a single tax filer. So I'm going to talk about that. That's going to, we're going to break that down. Also, I want to talk about Q2 earnings. So we are coming up on our second. We ended the first quarter. We're now, I mean, the second quarter. And now we're going to get the earnings reports from the second quarter. If you remember right, after the first quarter ended, the first quarter earnings were surprisingly good. Surprisingly good. I don't think we're going to see that this quarter. I think we might get some ugly surprises in the... Uh, because of the trade situation with China and the rest of the world slowing down. So, remember, a lot of the big companies, you know. So, anyways, we're going to talk about that. That's my, my one of my main topics. I also want to talk about, did you hear that the, that uh, Groggy, who is, who is the EU head of the central bank, is leaving? Did you hear who's taking his place? Not that it's that big of a news, but I think it's interesting. And finally... I want to talk about the winners and losers in the first half of 2019, the stock market winners and losers. And what's really interesting, I can tell you, I'm going to tell you which, and we're going to talk about sectors mostly. I can, I got the stocks, but it's the sectors I'm more interested in sharing. 
And I'll tell you how bad they did in the fourth quarter and what they did in the uh, the, the, the fourth quarter of last year and how they've done year-to-date, the first two quarters this year. It's interesting comparisons. So I, I thought it was interesting. I want to share that with you. So what did the market do today? Well, it was up. It didn't look like it was going to make it, but it did end up, didn't end up being on the plus side. The Dow was up 69, the NASDAQ up 18, the S&P up 9. Uh, but it was a struggle, and it was pretty weak with you know, much less volume. Of course, it might be much less volume because we're moving into, you know, Thursday is the 4th of July, but we'll see how that, how that turns out. But the market is not, you know, not, with, you know, with the resumption of the uh, talks with China, the trade talks with China, you had a little bounce yesterday, but it was interesting. It kind of softened as the day went on. And we're not getting much of a follow-through today, even though it was up, so it wasn't, wasn't down. So we'll see how this goes the rest of the week, and we really won't know until next week or the week after. Yeah, I'm speculating that even after, even if we get a Chinese trade deal, I still don't think it's over. If I'm reading Trump right, and I, I've read his books, uh, The Art of the Deal, the deal is never done. Even if it is done, it's never done. I'll give you an example. Didn't he come to an agreement about uh, tariffs and uh, with uh, thrown out NAFTA with Mexico? And now had a new agreement with Mexico. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks ago, he threatened them with more tariffs because of the, because of the immigration issue. The deal is never done with Trump. I think people need to realize that. He, he would... He, I'm just glad he's on our side when it comes to that kind of thing. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you, you got to watch him like a hawk because the deal is never done, in my personal opinion. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. What's on your mind? Let's go ahead and take one of our calls. There was a call that came in, a question that came in on our Intertime listener line number. The number is 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Bob from Sunnyville. I wanted to get your thoughts on... Momo, M-O-M-O. Seems like fundamentals are good, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. See if it's a good time to uh, buy. I know the stock has turned around and uh, moved up quite a bit, but I uh, wanted to see where it will go from here. And listen to your answer on the podcast. Thank you. Okay, this is Momo Inc. It is a Chinese company, a provider of a mobile-based social networking platform with 1.113 million monthly active users. They make money. They've made money since 2015. They're going to make $3.42 next year. Made $2.84 this year. Sales growth is 40-50%. So earnings growth 16 to 20% per year. Um, P ratio is not out of line at 15. It's a $36.77 stock. Uh, they have a bit of debt, but not a tremendous amount. Uh, management owns 15%. Fund, fund, mutual funds and owns 64 Institutional owns 54%. Looking at a chart, it put a bottom here in December at around 23.50, somewhere around there. And then it moved up to 42, then bounced down in May. Remember how bad May was, right? Down to about 26 at its low, and now bounced back up to 36.77. If it can break 42, that means it's had lower, um, higher, higher highs and higher lows. Right now, it's had, it, you can't say that. 
because it's coming up against, you know, it's at 36 and it's got to get above 41 something to make a new high this year. Last year's high was at $48 or so. Uh, I take that back. Last year's high was $54. So I think it's a good solid company, $9 billion company, Chinese company. I think, uh, you know, if it breaks that, this the two things I would look for is if it breaks above that 40 almost $42, then it's going to probably go up to $48. Uh, but that's what? That's another 15, 16% from here. So if it pulls back, and depending on where it pulls back, if it pulls back to like the $30 area and then starts up again, that would be a good buy point, I think. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm very happy to announce that I will be returning to San Jose on July 31st. That will be a Wednesday, by the way. My plan is to sit down in private meetings with interested listeners who understand that the best way to achieve your financial freedom is to make sure that your investment portfolio, portfolio is, is properly balanced. You have you don't have it overloaded with just one thing or two things. We'll talk about it. Space will be limited as it usually is. I only have so many hours in the day and I can only talk so many hours. So save the date, July 31st. I hope to meet you in person in San Jose. And now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. Everyone's favorite summer holiday, the 4th of July, is only two days away. You may be taking the day off, but your financial assets could be working for you if you are properly managing your portfolio. So Steve Peasley is here now to offer his experienced and unbiased guidance. Step up with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to John in Santa Cruz. How you doing, John? Good, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Thank you. So looking at a gold producer, I think it's a mid-tier gold producer, BTG. Okay. Yeah, a company, com- uh, uh, Canadian company. Okay. That's a Canadian company engaged in gold mining in Nicaragua, Nimbia, Nimbia, and the Philippines. Huh. That's funny. It's in, in Vancouver. Um, yeah. Well, they make money. That's good. Uh, they're going to make 23 cents a share next year. It's a $3 stock. So it's not too badly priced. Their earnings are kind of erratic a little bit. I mean, the sales are kind. Of, excuse me, the sales are kind of erratic a little bit. Most recent quarter in March, the sales were down twelve percent. But gold prices are going up. I think it's a. I think it's a bit risky, but I think it might be a, a good risk. Not too much debt. Management owns eleven percent, uh-huh. so you know they want to make money. And the cash flow is forty-seven cents a share. So. I think this is a good risk stock, a bet on gold, gold going up. Okay? okay. So I would, I would say that. Yep. Okay? Good luck with it. All right. Hope it works for you. M, and the symbol is BTG, B2 Gold Corporation, B2 Gold Corporation. Let's go talk to Lee in Mountain View. How you doing, Lee? Good. Thanks for taking Lee? my call. How you doing? You're welcome. I got a question on Pure Storage. Uh, what are your thoughts, and uh, is it a good time to buy? 
Okay. Um, do you know what happened to them back in May when they dropped from like uh, $20 all the way down to like $15 in one day? That's 25% you know, off. So do you know what happened there? Uh, no, not really. Okay, let's take a look at it. Provides flash-based storage systems for large and mid-sized organizations in the U.S. and abroad. It's a $3.9 billion company. So it's storage, flash storage-based system. Uh, they're making money. They made 22 cents in 2019. 2020, they're going to, the estimates are 24 cents and then jumped to 49 cents in 2021. So, and the sales are growing very strong between about between 25 and 35, 40% per quarter. So, return on equity is a little light at 9%. Uh, some debt, but not terrible. Management owns 10%. And if they're going to make $4.49, cents, it's a $15.45 stock. So that means 10, 20, that means it's about a 30 P based on 2021 earnings. And that's pretty far out. So, and that's pretty expensive, even though the growth rate might justify that expense. But I don't know if I can justify it going up back up to the high that it had last year, almost thirty dollars a share. I mean, that I don't, man, I, it, they'd have to start increasing their growth again. They got up their growth up to almost fifty percent a couple of years ago, and now it's backed off a little bit. Um, it has a lot of support right here, around the fifteen, fifty, sixteen dollar range. So it shouldn't. This is where it should stop going down. I'm just not sure. It might go back up to the low 20s, and I think that's about where it's going to go if it if it succeeds. But I still want to find out why it dropped so so sharply in May in one day. I'd find out what that happened that day. But it's a good solid company and growing nicely. Good luck with it, Lee. PSTG Pure Storage Inc is the name of the company. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we present this program with five new shows each week, Monday through Friday. And of course, it is broadcast, uh, broadcasted, and streamed live at the four o'clock hour Pacific time. And of course, you know it's podcast. You can download anytime you want. You know, so you can subscribe and you know iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And I would appreciate if you'd rate us. And now, I'm taking your questions live, eight 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 ninety nine chart. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Please give me a call. We'll talk about anything financial. So what happened today in the market? Well, the 10-year Treasury was at 2.01%. It was a tad under 2% during the day, but eked out above 2% at the close. And that was pretty much the same as yesterday. That's very low, everybody. And whenever the short-term two-year bond, U.S. Treasury, U.S. government bond exceeds a 10-year Treasury bond in yield, we've always had a recession. Is it there now? No, it's just very close. I've been squeezing for a year, over a year, getting closer and closer and closer. 
So are we in, going to be in a recession? Are we? I don't know. Gold reached uh, broke above fourteen hundred again, fourteen hundred dollars and twenty cents an ounce. So it's still, you know, it's had a pretty decent rally for the month of June, and then here in the first day of July, second day in July, bounced up nicely. So, I mean, that was up. It was almost up four percent. The GDX would would let me go to gold itself. GLD, GDX is gold miners, and gold was up only two percent. The miners usually go up faster and down faster. So that's why I track it, track it. Oil prices fell about 3% today, even after OPEC and allies, including Russia, agreed to extend supply cuts until next March. As weak manufacturing data has investors worried that a slowing global economy could dent oil demand. And, and notice it really doesn't affect, what OPEC is doing doesn't affect oil very much. Partly because we produce so much of it these days that we are kind of not, you know, not cursed. We're not controlling it, but the, but the size of our production, and I think we're the largest now, uh, has an influence. And we're not, OPEC is you know, it's a monopoly type of group trying to control s- supply so that they can get the best money and, you know. Uh, if it was a United States company and OPEC was uh, a United States company, the government would uh, probably disband it from anti-competitiveness because <laughs> you can't control all that in the U.S. We don't like that. And that's why some of these big tech companies are having trouble because, you know, are they monopolies? That's the question. Okay, so that's, you know, that's, what we, that's what's going on there. Uh, on the big screen, you know, uh, I'm talking about movies. Are the big TV screens and on-demand content from streaming services eating into, and Amazon Prime, now Disney's coming out, are they eating into the movie theater's income? I don't know, maybe. The numbers show that uh, uh, that there is, a, a, a at the box office, a 10% reduction in revenues this year compared to the same period of last year. Okay, so, and the domestic box office sales is about $4.9 billion. What I find interesting, so it's $4.9 billion so far, right? I find this interesting. Disney, you know, owns about 40% of all domestic film market because they own, you know, a bunch of studios. The Avengers Endgame, they brought, that movie by itself has brought in over a billion dollars. Almost, and remember, it, so far, only $4.9 billion total. And just one movie has a billion. Avengers Endgame. I'll tell you why the box office is slow this year. The movies aren't that good. There's been a bunch of movies and nothing really that good. I, I, and I, I take my nieces and nephews' movies you know, every week or every other weekend. I see a lot of them. and not, They're just not that good. I don't see any big, you know, Avengers Endgame was good, but, you know, one. Anyways, I think that's the reason. Okay, what movie made the most money all time? What movies made the most money all time at the box office? And I'm, I'm, I'm adjusting for inflation here, everybody. Adjusting for inflation. Well, the number one is Gone with the Wind, made in 1939. It is the world's first genuine blockbuster. It was in theaters over a year back then. And it still holds a top spot. Still does. 
uh, 1.8 billion dollars. 1.852 billion dollars. Hmm. Wow. Number two, Star Wars, 1977, 1.6 billion. Number three, Sound of Music, 1965, 1.2 billion. And also, big other big movies: E.T., Titanic, The Ten Commandments, Jaws. Dr. Shivago. I've seen all those movies, and the least favorite of them is Dr. Shivago for me. For me. Titanic didn't do anything for me either, to be honest. Anyways. Okay, uh, uh, the other shoe dropped for Boeing. Did you see, see that news? Boeing company, symbol BA. The federal regulators said they have con- identified a new software problem, a new one, in the 737 MAX. That's going to delay the process of returning that plane. It's this going to? It's going to? I mean, it's going to take a while now. We already knew it was going to take a while, but you know, Southwest Airlines uh, is grounded all their Max Eight, of course. Everybody's grounded them all. So this is going to take a while. But this software is a whole different software, and apparently the software was programming was done in India. Hmm. We'll see how that turns out. On tomorrow's Invest Talk, this opinion, the trade war is over and China is the winner. Could that be true? Is that right? But now, as we go into the break, I will tell you about the median cost of a home in California. It's now over $547,000. Median. Wow. So my brain teacher question, what was the median price of existing home in California in 1968? I'll have the answer next. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, before the break, I asked a question. What was the median price of an existing home in California in 1968? Well, here's the answer. In 1968, the median price of an existing home in California was $23,210. Remember what I told you it was now? <laughs> By year 2000, it was 241000 1968 to 2000. That is a valuation increase of 10 times in 32 years. 
And today, according to Zillow, the median price in California is $547,700. So doing the math, today's median home price is 23 and a half times higher than it was in 1968. That's pretty amazing. That's how dynamic California's house prices have been. No, <laughs> excuse me. Okay, let's go to, let's grab another uh, voicemail question that came in earlier. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve. How's it going? This is Zach from Pittsburgh. I had a question regarding cash reserve. I'm aware that you should be continuously contributing to your Roth IRA. I'm pretty young. I'm 22. And I kind of just wanted to get your feel for if we are having money on the side just in case of uh, a possible financial crisis way down the line, then would it be more advisable to just hold it in a savings account or rather invest that money in, in a retirement account like a Roth IRA? Because I am aware that, like you said, Warren Buffett has a lot of his money in cash reserves just in case. And I'd like to be able to have that cushion, but I'd also like to continuously contribute to my retirement. So I'd love to get your thoughts uh, on the show. Thanks. Bye. Well, in a retirement account, you want to put the max you can in just so you can get the tax deductibility so you don't have to pay income tax on it. Think about that. You know, if you're putting $5,000 into your IRA and you get to deduct that from your salary, whatever tax bracket you're in, think of if you're in the 20% bracket, you just made 20% on that money because you didn't have to pay it. Now, of course, you might, you'll have to pay it when you take it out many years down the road. So I would definitely put all the money I could into my IRA. Now, as far as investing in the market, just put it in. You don't have to put invest in the market. You can just put it in your IRA or your 401k or your 403b or 457, you know, whatever you have. That's tax deferred. But um, you also should have emergency money, not in an IRA or anything else. And I always suggest maybe three months of three to six months of your monthly expenses saved up and put it and have it pretty much available in you know a savings account or whatever. So if it, something does bad happen, you have money to pay for that. So I always recommend that you do that. Okay. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. I promise the next story for my main talking point. It concerns the personal finance warning. Newly wedded couples may be saddled with a marriage tax penalty. Okay, so what is that? Well, what happens is, depending on your income and of course the state where you live and any credits and deductions you have, you could pay more taxes after getting married. Well, how is that possible? And even despite recent changes in the federal tax code that eliminated the marriage penalty, there's still, yeah, high earners may still pay more as a married couple. You know, so for taxpayers with low or modest income, their earned income tax credit can result in a higher bill after marriage. Remember, um, when you're single, you get a certain yeah, you know, I think it's twenty four thousand up to twenty four thousand. You know, you don't have to pay taxes on or whatever, or you get to deduct that as a. I don't know. I'm not a big tax guy, but there's a certain number that you get to ta- deduct that. And if you're married, you don't get twice as much. You don't get one for each of you. Now you only get one, one of that. You know that situation of that, whatever they call it. I'm not sure what they call it. Tax credit. I, for, you know, so. So that's what we're talking about. You're going to get you get penalized 
if you if you fit in a certain group of, of high earners, you don't have you don't take individual tax deductions, you don't maybe don't have a house write off. You know, you, there's a certain group that's going to have to pay more if they get married than if they stay single, filing singly instead of filing a joint account. So I guess I mean I don't. That should, I'm not saying that should stop you from getting married at all. I don't think that. It's just that there's always little tweaks and things in the tax code that always seems to come up and bite you, and that's one of them. So talk to your tax guy. He'll let you know what it is. Okay, eight 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 ninety nine charter is our number. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight, and um. I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk. I think it is safe to assume that you're pretty serious about your investing, or you wouldn't be able to listen to the show, and you want to grow your wealth. Well, well, that's great. We all do, don't do we not? Sure. So you have to make choices. You have to make decisions, and that's one of the hard things about investing. You have to make good, solid judgment decisions. And what we can do is, what we want to do is teach you how to make those kind of decisions. Well, first, though, you have to understand your personal perception of risk. How much risk do you want to take? How much risk are you comfortable with? I just talked to one of my nieces who just got a job in a 401k, and they're matching 4%, you know, typical thing. And sat down with her, and she's, what, 27, I think her age was, is, and she she said, well, I don't want to take, I don't want to lose my money. I don't want to take any risk. So I had to sit down and talk to her about the stock market. And yes, you could lose money this year. Yes. <laughs> but if you leave it alone for as many years as you're going to be working, you won't lose money. So she didn't understand risks and her own personal risk tolerance. She didn't understand how that all works. Well, we can help you find this out. You can go to our invest, invest uh, our, our website, investtalk.com, take the risk questionnaire called Riskalyze, or Riskalyze questionnaire, and it will give you a score. And it will calibrate your personal risk tolerance. And then you can put, give me a list of your holdings and I can calculate the risk you're taking in your portfolio and compare them. Anyways, go to investtalk.com. I'm ready to take your questions now at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And KPP principal and Invest Talk host, Steve Peasley, is pleased to announce that he will be returning to San Jose, California on July 31st to conduct his no cost, wealth building portfolio review consultations. If you're a serious investor, and if you live anywhere in Northern California, you should make plans now to sit down in person with Steve. He can review your portfolio and show you how to optimize its performance so you can achieve financial freedom. Appointments are limited, so don't delay. Wednesday, July 31st, Steve Peasley returns to San Jose. Register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open and your calls are welcome. 888-99-CHART. Hello, thank you for the show. My question is about RID, Rite Aid. They hit the uh, 52-week low. Just want to hear your thoughts. Thank you. RAD. RAD is the symbol for Rite Aid Corporation. 
Uh, let's take a look. Let me type it into these various R A D. Um, let's see. Operates 2,469 stores in 18 states offering prescription drugs and convenience products and cosmetics. It's not a very big company. It's only 462 million in size, but it does 5.3 billion dollars in sales, which is you know a huge number of sales per uh, per per store. Why is it doing so poorly? Well, there's been they've had lots of problems. If you remember right, this stock was what 100 189 dollars a share in 2015. In 2017, it was 175. That was its high. Then 2018, last year, the high was 50. The low was 11. And so far, the high this year is 19, and low is eight. Uh, low is six. And right now, it's at eight dollars and sixty cents. So the question you're asking yourself: Hey, it's really been crushed, and you know maybe it's time to pick this up. Well, if you look at just the price to sales, it's a bargain. If you look at the book value, the book it sells at about a third of 40% of book. In other words, if they liquidated the company, they would you would make a lot more money. So just on that basis, the value is way under value. However, they're going to lose 24 cents next year in earnings. They make, they're going to make 12 cents this year. The sales growth are zero, no sales growth. Uh, is it, maybe they're not shrinking anymore, but they've got problems. So this is a roll of the dice. Maybe this will be the low. Maybe someone will come by and buy it. And the chart tells me that it's put in a low. So you can take a risk, but don't take a risk with too much money. You can take this risk. I think it's a good risk to take because it does have sales that are pretty good. And the sales have bottomed out. They're no longer shrinking, it looks like. They're just flat. So, but the profits are not there. They're going to have to do something about that. But so this could be a, what we call value trap, meaning it's a stock that looks really inexpensive, but they might file bankruptcy. Maybe they're, the reason why I say that is because it looks like they have pretty big debt and that debt, it might be burying them. So be very, very careful. This is a big risk big risks. And sometimes big risks pay off and sometimes they don't. That's why I say don't use too much money. 888-99 chart. We're going to start seeing some earnings in the next few weeks. The second quarter earnings. Remember the first quarter earnings were pretty good. Better than expected. I'm having, my, my gut feeling is the second quarter earnings aren't going to look so good. And I'm saying that because I think I think the world economy has been shrinking. The growth has been shrinking. It's still growing, by the way, but the growth has been shrinking and the trade issues with China, I think, will overflow into earnings. Remember, I think the S&P 500, of the earnings by the S&P 500, or at least I know the sales are, about 50% of the S&P 500 sales are outside the United States. So, you know... Is everything, what's going on outside the United States? I just told you, the world economy is, is not growing. It's, it, I mean, it is growing, but it, it's, it's growing less. And then they had to add that China trade deal problems, and you've got issues that I think are going to be reflected in earnings. Now, 
depends on how well the experts have guided expectations. Remember, they, they guide expectations down, 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 down. And then they say, oh, hey, they beat expectations. But then you compare a year ago and you go, boy, but the earnings are much worse than they were a year ago. So you say, but, you know, it depends on, I'm just thinking that the earnings, the corporate earnings are going to have, are going to be probably disappointing. Disappointing this second quarter as we get them, as they roll out. That's my opinion. Okay, and just how old do you think the youngest known Apple developer is? A fourth grader in San Jose, California is only allowed 30 minutes or so of screen time a week. Yet he, a week. He can only use his computer 30, 30 minutes a week. Yet he has developed an app for the Apple Store. It's been, remember, this is a, third, a fourth grader. And he submitted to the store is now under review. So how old is the youngest coder? He's 10 years old. Do you ever try to do an app? I know there's programmers out there. Not so easy. Got to have a, you know, and they have to approve it. You just can't come up with something. And, hey, there's my app. No, no. <laughs> Apple or Google, someone, they have, I know Apple's pretty strict on what the apps do. So... Now, we're moving quickly to another question and caller. Uh, this came in earlier, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Nathan from Wisconsin. I have a TD Ameritrade IRA account. I currently own some shares of LAM Research, Vanguard Total Stock at Market Index, and Vanguard Target Retirement of 20035 And I was wondering if it made sense to put it into ETFs with a, a robo-advisor at a 0.3% rate. Right now, it looks like LAM, I bought at $76. I've made 115%. Total stock and market index over the span, I've made 63%. And the target retirement, I've made 19%. But it sounds like you guys tend towards um, the ETFs. So I, I don't know what I should do here. Your advice would be appreciated. Thanks. Well, you didn't tell me how old you were and how close you are to retirement or the size of your accounts. And, you know, if it's big enough, you don't want to have one stock. You want to have, uh, even if it's small, you want to have a number of stocks and or mutual funds or ETFs, Not, you know, that give you diversification. So, in other words, just having one stock is very risky. Okay, as long as you don't put too much money in it, I guess it's okay. If you have a decent size account, 100,000 plus, then you can buy 20, 25 stocks and forget about the indexes or the 20, 35, 45 uh, target dated things. If you don't, then I I like ETS because they're usually cheaper and you only have to buy a handful, three or four or five of them to get a good diversification. So I would go the ETF route depending on the size of your, your portfolio. When it gets about 100,000, you want to be in stocks and uh, get diversified individual stocks because you'll likely do better. Not always, but likely. Depends on which stocks you pick, obviously. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. And we continue to work for that. That After this break, we'll continue to answer your questions. So get your questions in 888 99Chart. Invest Talk, this analyst opinion. 
The trade war is over and China is the winner. Could he be right? That story tomorrow. But now Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Give me a call. We'll talk about anything financial. Let's talk to Fahim in the Bay Area. How you doing, Fahim? Hi, Steve. Thank you for your show. Um, I had a question. Uh, I'm a first-time home buyer um, in the Bay Area. Okay. And you know how expensive it is here. Uh, oh, got yeah. Got some money saved up. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, enough for a down payment. And I was uh, wondering if this is a good time given the low interest rates, uh, like wait for the seasonal. I mean, is there any seasonality to buying in summer versus uh, later in the year? Yeah, you in the summer, usually the market is um, more active. So, and if it's bullish, and then, you know, Bay Area seems to always be bullish, that means prices are going to go up. Um, and mortgage rates are, are pretty low. So, <laughs> Fahim, I don't think you're going to get any great discount in the Bay Area. Even if we go into recession, I don't see it. Uh, but the, when the recession was really deep last time, prices only came down in the Bay Area about 10%, maybe 15 at the most. In other parts of California, it was 50%, 5.0. So even in the worst market, you're still not going to have that much of a price pull down in the Bay Area. And we're not in the worst market. I, I think you're just going to have to bite the bullet and buy. I think, At least you're getting a low mortgage rate. That's, that's your benefit. But yeah, the, the, usually the market is a little hotter, a little more steamy this time of year, meaning prices, uh, uh, houses stay on the market shorter period of time. So you got to be quick. I had my nephew bought a house in San Jose. You know, he's the guy that plays for the 49ers. He bought one after the season last year, football season, and had to pay one and a half million dollars for a regular house. It wasn't, it was, you know, just just in a nice and regular neighborhood. <laughs> you know, so it's going to cost you a fortune, Fahim. But I think you, if you want to live in the San Jose area, you just got to bite the bullet because Silicon Valley is just going to continue to grow. Simple, as simple as that. Anyways, good luck. I hope you find a good house. 888-99-CHART. Okay, listen to these numbers, okay? I'm going to compare the last quarter of last year with the same sector and performance this year so far for the first half of this year, okay? Okay, so for instance, information, information technology, last year's fourth quarter, it dropped 17%. So far this year, it's up 27%. So that so that means in the last, you know, three quarters, three quarters of a year, it's up. Their information technology is up 10%. Okay, and that was the highest performing sector this year. Behind is consumer discretionary. That was down 16% the fourth quarter last year, up 21%. Industrials uh, up 21%. Last year, the the last quarter was down 17%. Real estate, so on and so forth. What is the interesting one is utilities, I think. Now, utilities are up 14.7% this year. So, not nearly as good as information technology, but 
What did they do the last quarter of last year? Remember, implementation technology was down 17%. So you put that together, it's only up 10% in three quarters of a year. Utilities was up in the fourth quarter, only 1.4%. But that means it was up 16.1% in the last three quarters. Whereas information technology, the best performing this year, is only up 10%. Utilities is a lot safer. And then if you look at consumer staples, remember, these are the two sectors I've been kind of telling you that for months now to be in. It's up 16% so far. But last quarter in the 2008, it was down 5%. So it's only up, what, 11% in the last three quarters. Well, the best performing te- technology sector this year is only up 10% in the same period. So what was safer to be in? What was less volatile? Obviously, consumer staples. Why am I mentioning the consumer staples and utilities? Because usually those are the two sectors that outperform in the late economic cycle. That's why. Are we in the late economic cycle? I believe we are. Very late. It's been a very long one. That's about it for the day, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and thank you for joining me on Invest Talk. And I thank you for your local support and all your questions. And, of course, the big holiday is almost here, day after tomorrow. But I'll be back tomorrow. We'll do this again. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.